Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. That's me. I'm Bill Barnwell. Today, Nate Tice of The Athletic and Bleacher Report, and just being Nate Tice on Twitter, is here to talk about not only what we took away from the four divisional round games, but also previewing the conference championship games. Lots of film insight from Nate Tice, one of the best to do it. But before we do that, I wanted to quickly tell you about another podcast, and that is The Right Time with Bomani Jones which is now three times a week. This podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of games across all sports, plus a community of friends, including a guy I'm not a big fan of named Dominique Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. There's also two other shows where you can listen to, but if you want Dominique in your life, listen to Foxworth Fridays with Bomani Jones. That's right. The right time with Bomani Jones, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Listen, wherever you get your podcast and Monday and Wednesday episodes are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Now here's Nate Tice breaking down the divisional round and previewing the conference championship games. All right, joining me now here, as promised, on the Bill Barnwell Show. How would I, what what role would I say you have filled on football Twitter? The, <laughs> I think originally we called my, I called myself Sam from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you were a kid and you were like, you know, you'd have your textbook. And yeah. you would have like the teacher would have the textbook with all the answers. Yeah. Was that the teacher's edition? Yeah. I, f- I feel like you're the teacher's edition of football Twitter. Like when people I'll want the that. actual answers, when people want the actual answers for what's happening in football, they go to Nate Tice. Yeah. I, I, I know that that translates completely to my draft takes. You know, those are never <laughs> wrong. Always have the teacher or the teacher's answers for those as well. But yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I, it's better than teacher's pet, just being the answer key. Crib notes, crib notes, Nate. We can go with that. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I know. All I, just all, all just osmosis from learning from smarter people than myself. So it, it's mm, great. <laughs> it's being passed down slowly. Eventually, I'll pick up on it from like a person eight levels between you and I. Uh, but Nate Tice is joining us to talk about the playoffs, talk about the stuff we just saw, and preview these two conference championship game so nate what's up oh not too much we got the uh the biggest event of the weekend or the week is the men's soccer team you know (laughs) having three matches coming up we got wednesday night dynamite tonight so you know that's the big stuff it's big stuff in my life oh yeah and then there's uh there's two conference championship games on sunday that i guess are a pretty big deal too i think i always feel like i'm i'm doing a podcast with you about stuff you don't want to talk about like i feel like you'd always rather do a slightly different podcast than the one we're actually doing I think it's because our conversations are never about football. <laughs> so, That's true. Actually, no, we did talk about trap this weekend. We we had a good conversation about trap. So that we did talk about a little bit of football from this weekend. Oh, that's, we're going to leave that aside. We're going to talk just about what we saw on the field. No discussions of trap and what is and is not a trap. That's another conversation for another day. But yes, I'm excited about the U.S. national team, of course. Excited about Dynamite as well. But we have football to discuss here. And I think it was some, you know, it's not like we had some boring games this past no. week. We saw a bunch of really fascinating games. And so I think, you know, we've had time to digest. It's been a few days. And I wanted to start by getting maybe some takeaways from those four divisional games. I think we'll keep it simple because, of course, people, you know, are, are getting past that, getting previewing these games. Let's go with one sort of takeaway from each of these four games. So let's start with, I, I guess, the most exciting game of the week, the game is most recently in our minds. Uh, Bill's Chiefs from Sunday night. What was your takeaway from Bill's Chiefs? We finally got to the firework factory. That was, <laughs> that was that's my takeaway. Man, that game was absolutely incredible. And I got to Twitch stream uh, the Bills offense last night mm-hmm. or yesterday during the day. Was that yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday during the day. And it was so funny because I did a vote because I'm a man of the people. Did a little poll. <laughs> hey, do we do the Chiefs offense or the Bills offense? You know. And then against other defense, I guess. And mm-hmm. everyone picked the Bills. I was like, man, I kind of wanted to watch Mahomes. But <laughs> <laughs> it was no, but that game was absolutely fantastic. And watching really just two quarterbacks put their teams on their backs, even when stuff it wasn't going great. And mm-hmm. just kind of understanding what the defenses were giving them. And as far as Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, I mean, the story of the season's been wow, everyone's playing them so soft and playing them, making them matriculate down the field. 
and really watching Mahomes kind of get to figuring out what exactly that was. It was like Batman <laughs> breaking his back and then getting out of the Lazarus pit. It was like he climbed, he finally climbed his way out, or I should say Bruce Wayne in that instance, but Bruce Wayne coming, getting out of the Lazarus pit. That's what that game felt like for him. It was like, I'm strong enough to do this. I'm just going to scramble if you want to play two man. I'm just going to work underneath to my two all pro, you know, players and just let them create yards after the catch. And it feels like they just are finding this late season identity. And that's really, really fun to watch. Their defense, on the other hand, is they, I think they learned a lesson about blitzing and, High situ or high leverage situations against <laughs> against the Bengals, which is relevant for this next week. But yes. watching them kind of play softer coverages themselves and running variations to cover two and cover four and a lot more too high stuff. That was very interesting to look at and seeing their kind of new version on defense. And that's what Spags, the defense coordinator for the Chiefs, does so well. Is he <laughs> really is good good at game planning his stuff, like changing from week to week to emphasize different stuff. So it, it's, it was a fun game. I mean, I, I honestly am still coming down from it <laughs> to watching two aliens go at it for 60 plus minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it felt like these were two teams kind of coming together. Like we saw two yeah. teams playing a lot of too deep. We saw two quarterbacks who were just going to scramble around and exhaust your defensive line until eventually someone got open. And then we saw, you know, guys who were able to take some easier stuff underneath. Um, it was, I mean, a really fascinating game. And I should recommend, by the way, if you want to learn football, I always get emails from people, questions from people. How do you learn more about football? And I always recommend the same books because they're always really good. Watch Nate's Twitch streams. I mean, they're they're archived, I believe, on your on your they are. if I'm not mistaken. And I would strongly, strongly recommend watching them just because you get insight from someone who is very smart, but also explaining stuff very clearly to people who don't have a ton of experience breaking down tape. So if you want to get smarter about the game uh, and not just smarter on paper, but smart in terms of actual practice, watching stuff happen in real time, understanding what you, you know, what someone who is an expert like Nate is breaking down and looking for in real time could not recommend them more. Oh, thanks Bill. And you get to see me kind of re re reverse engineer plays in real time. <laughs> and I realized that's not the most entertaining. Sometimes I, I there's one yesterday where I went silent, I think for like two minutes straight I was just <laughs> clicking and trying to like figure this play out. And then I realized I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm streaming. Hey, how's everyone doing as I'm clicking, trying to figure <laughs> out who's who on a pass protection thing. But yeah, but I appreciate that bill. It's a lot of fun. And, and the guys, people in the chat have been really fun because they'll point some stuff out on, and mm -hmm. kind of a, a group, group process that we've turned it into, but thank you. I appreciate that. It, it's yeah. fun getting to do my job in front of people <laughs> Do do my homework in front of people. That's, that's what Twitch streaming has become. Yeah, but it's great. I strongly recommend. I watch it for fun. I watch it for knowledge. I watch it because I want to get smarter. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets pizza. The number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, another thing, you just mentioned pass protection. Bengals-Titans, a 1916 yeah. game, a game where it felt like pretty much every drop back, there was either going to be a pressure or a sack. I mean, what was your takeaway from this game in terms of not only just what we saw, but also what it means for Bengals-Chiefs coming up? Has anyone made a, a cats have nine lives joke about the nine sacks <laughs> the Bengals took as, as anyone? Because that's why, okay, that's what my Substack article is going to be this week. All right. So it's, <laughs> but all those, the pressure, we, the Bengals, it just feels nothing's really changed with them in the second half of the year. We know they have great mm -hmm. offensive skill guys and we know their offensive line is absolutely horrid. <laughs> and 
the whole offense is Joe Burrow get rid of the ball in two seconds and mm-hmm. get it to one of your great players on the outs on the outside or really over the middle as well. And mm-hmm. offense line hold on for dear life. Um, watching that game though was, I mean, that's as bad as a performance you'll see out of this Bengals team as far as in the second half of the year uh, and just being inconsistent. When they're not hitting those explosive plays, it can be really, really hard on them because they do have trouble matriculating, do have trouble stringing drives together just because of the, their style of play. Like they, they live with go balls. They live with Burrow making a play happen quickly. That's how they operate. And as far as defensively, it was a really impressive performance from that Bengals defense. Uh, I think the Titans maybe leaned into Derrick Henry a little too much, trying to make a statement that he's back and healthy. And mm-hmm. I think Tannehill kind of wet his pants a little bit, <laughs> um, uh, just what having to tight, uh, make some of the throws that he would have to make in that game because the Bengals defense was there. What I've stat, like figured with the de- Bengals defense is they might not have a lot of star power. They just had, they're very well coached. It's kind of like a diet Coke version of what the bills defense was a little bit where the bills <laughs> defense might not have a ton of stars, even though they had two all pros yeah. at the safety position. But they were just really well coached. They squeeze the ball. They're on top of your game plan. They don't blitz that much. They just sprinkle in a little bit. The Bengals do do some fun stuff on third down mm-hmm. while they bring some pressures. But that's what they they want to make it hard on you by just playing sound defense. And I think that's what they did that entire game. Every time the Titans had a pass, if they dropped back, they were squeezing everything. And that led mm-hmm. to the Eli Apple interception at the end. So For it was sure. just a very impressive performance from the Bengals defense. And then this is the downside of how the Bengals want to play an offense when they put everything on Joe Burrow, getting the ball out quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. How much of what happened in that game do you put on the offensive line versus putting on Burrow? I'm actually excited to kind of like break exactly that down. I would put, I would put, there's a couple on Burrow where I thought he, could have gotten rid of the ball or at least understood what he was getting. I would put, what was there? Nine sacks. I would say <laughs> that's, what's fun. You could actually divvy these up. It's not like it's yeah, three sacks. It's a sample. Like, oh. Yeah. I would say at least half were just on the offensive line, just being poor and not being able to hold up where Burrow can get mm-hmm. to one to two. And even, but there's at least one. And I, I want to say two, but at least one I can think of where some of the past design didn't have a great hot answer for Burrow. And not just hot where, oh, one of my, my right guards getting beat again right off the right off the snap of the ball, but hot and, oh, they're bringing a the pressure. I got to get rid of the ball right now. He took the one sack where he lost like 15 yards on third down. And mm-hmm. that one, Burrow wanted to get rid of the ball. And their, the quote-unquote hot option was the running back running like a swing from the empty spot. And Burrow kind of double-clutched it. It was just the design of the play didn't have like a true answer for him. So really, even mm-hmm. some of it was on design as well. Yeah. Um, they don't run a lot of crazy stuff that Bengals offense. They run kind of tried and true concepts and uh, kind of more standardized concepts. And they just let their players play. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can see that they a, a defense caught them. And that's going to be interesting at going against a, a, a Chiefs defense that, you know, they'll bring some stuff. <laughs> I don't think yeah. they should, but I don't think they should all game, but they'll, they might catch them a couple of times if they want to live in an empty world. Like uh, the Bengals did a couple of times against the Titans. I think they're going to try at the very least. I think they're going to see if it works. They'll poke. The they're going to yeah, poke. Yeah, I, that's a good way to put it. Velociraptor ch- testing the cage. That's what, that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're doing. Just testing the cage a little bit, seeing if it breaks. Actually, let's let's do let's do two Spangles now. Actually, we'll get we'll get to the NFC side of things after okay. this. But um, let's start with the Bengals offense because I mean, of course, even though they were getting blown up in this game up front, Joe Burrow still, you know, threw for three hundred forty eight <laughs> yards uh, on thirty seven attempts. Jamar Chase started this incredible stretch against the Chiefs. He went eleven to sixty six for three touchdowns in that game. Since then, nine for one sixteen in the wild card round and then five for one Oh nine against Tennessee. Most of it on a, uh, I think a smoke throw where he just broke a tackle and went up field for 57 yards, but obviously a big game for him had that late, uh, really pretty conversion on that mm-hmm. out to set up the, uh, set up the game winning field goal. I mean, if you are Steve Spagnuolo and you're approaching the Bengals in this game and thinking, okay, of course, they have other good receivers. Of course, they have other weapons. Of course, they can run the ball mm-hmm. at times. But Jamar Chase is someone we have to stop. 
how are you approaching this game? Is it, you know, we're going to do what we can to stop Jamar Chase and if other guys beat us? Or is it just, okay, Jamar Chase is going to get his no matter what, and we're going to just try and limit the, the big plays he has? Like, how would you approach this game? I think first off is that they have to emphasize tackling because the the first game, <laughs> <laughs> the first game against each other, uh, the Chiefs DBs looked like they were ready for the playoffs to start. <laughs> they were, yeah, they fair. were not. Yeah, they were kind of going like, oh, I'm not tackling this guy. <laughs> he, he can go and let him let him go. So that's number one. But two is I think they want to take away those go balls on the outside that. Burrow and Chase have such great chemistry on. I, I mean, it's it's palpable <laughs> the chemistry that those yeah. two have, um, and how to do that is something the Chiefs were trying to get to. Uh, the famous Sorensen play that we I've now seen about seven times just today, <laughs> uh, getting getting out there where Chase uh, where uh, Burrow was able to hit Chase on the hole shot mm-hmm. up the left sideline is I still think this Chiefs defense, kind of like what they did against the Bills last week, is lean more into cover two, just true cover two, true quarters. And the Chiefs run this variation that I think they call it as well this, but this is just my way of uh, uh, kind of translating it. I'm an offensive guy, so whenever I make defensive calls, I just group them into buckets. Ah, too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but they call I uh, two robbers. So they'll, as opposed okay. to a two Tampa player where they have somebody running down the pipe like a linebacker, mm-hmm. They'll rotate a down guy back to the deep half, and then they'll bring Tyron Matthew as a robber. Just read read the yep. quarterback's eyes, play the ball. And I could see them running that a lot against, against the Bengals. And I actually even think Jamar Chase had a quote today where he said, we're expecting cover two. And why that is, is, okay, let's eliminate the go balls on the outside. Let's make them mm-hmm. work for it, which is take away explosive plays, rallying tackle. If they want to gain eight yards over the middle, fine. We'll just squeeze it, tackle. I really think that's what they lean on. And what the counter to that is something that the Bengals got to against the 49ers who had the same kind of game plan. What's not blitz, which is run cover two, which run quarters, and which just make them matriculate down the field. The four, <laughs> the Bengals in that game figured out the 49ers were starting this uh, this corner named Ambry Thomas, and they started <laughs> start peppering him the rest of the game. But uh, the Chiefs, I think, when the true cover two is that you take away those goal balls because then it becomes a hard go uh, hole shot throw for the quarterback, or mm-hmm. you have to throw over the intermediate parts of the field or check it down. And what the what the Bengals would like to do is hit dagger concepts, which is a seam by the slot and then a big dig from the outside receiver. If mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple plays this weekend actually were dagger concepts, Cooper Cup catching the seam ball for the long play to set up the field goal, mm-hmm. um, the play that Aaron Rodgers where he hit the last play the Packers had where he threw the, the big posts on that last third down was actually a dagger concept as well with on the flip side with uh, having a day come on the other side. And this is what the Bengals have run. You'll see T Higgins be the guy that catches these digs. So I think it might be a T Higgins game catching these kind of bigger being that big target over the middle of the field, working all, all mm-hmm. these in breakers. I think that's going to be the counter punch to what, uh, to what this defense is going to try to do to them playing soft, yeah. soft coverages. And I mean, the other factor here is that we don't know if Tyron Matthews is going to play. And yes, I think certainly that changes, you know, the sort of aggressiveness you might want to have in coverage, you know, the the extent to which you can mask coverages. I mean, we saw in this game, you know, in the last game, as Daniel Sorensen did have that big whiff against the Bengals, but the biggest sort of play the Bills had in the game last week was over one Thornhill. It wasn't over Daniel Sorensen Correct. that that bomb to Gabriel Davis for a long score where they were in too deep. And it turns out that when you have Josh Allen, you might not be able to get deep enough, like deep, deep, deep is a subjective term. And, uh, you know, I mean, hopefully Tyron Matthew plays, obviously, unless you're a Bengals fan, I think you're hoping Tyron Matthew plays in this game, but that is a difference maker for this chief's defense. Yeah. And it looked to, especially with you have Matthew being out was I think they finally learned a lesson with Sorensen and not having Mm -hmm. him as a deep safety and saying, okay, we'll have Thornhill. We'll have whoever back as a deep safety. So when they want to go into these dime six DB looks, they have Sorensen underneath covering tight ends, covering running backs, working from in the box. If they want to go two man, he's matched up with one of those guys as opposed to being deep and having to make athletic plays and read the field. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the tweak that we'll see. Um, that I could see more from that Bills game, even after it was before the injury, but then even after Matthew's injury, when they had to kind of <laughs> reconfigure how they're mm-hmm. going to defend, 
that's right. I could see a lot of stuff translating from that Bills game, and that's one of them is having you you prefer Sorensen on uh, oh my god I always butcher this guy's name Uzoma yes I got Uzoma. it right. Uzoma. Uzoma, damn it! No, I did. Uzoma, Uzoma. That's okay. That's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I'm gonna have uh, Bengals fans just love to correct me every time I get his name wrong. <laughs> but you'd rather have Sorensen on him than say yep. in the deep post and yes. trying to keep up with Chase going deep or someone else going to deep and having to make all these athletic plays. So I can sure. see that tweak helping the Chiefs a little bit, just doing less, <laughs> doing less with these guys. Yeah, and the one positive thing I think is that. You know, if Matthew doesn't play, at least you can prepare for it during the week. Whereas Matthew, I mean, went down like in the, I think on the first drive of the game on that Allen yeah, it was early. fourth and one scramble. So, I mean, they had to basically, you know, change what their game plan was, or at least modify their game plan a bit on the fly. And and that's a scary thing. So I think hopefully that might be the one difference for the Chiefs if Matthew does not play in this game. Um, I mean, it, let's say the Bengals do play or the Chiefs do play a lot of too deep and try to limit those deep throws like i said we saw the bills hit those throws against cover two or two mm-hmm. deep coverages in that game like do you think that game plan will work for the chiefs given that the bengals uh the first time these two teams played they hit five gains of 30 yards or more yeah it, again that's why the tackling point is such yes. such a huge one is because what josh allen has really grown as a quarterback and not just being a big athlete playing the position but as a true quarterback is willing to work underneath and quickly mm-hmm. just going one two three get rid of the ball one two three check it down and burrow is a he could be patient but he likes his shot plays like he he mm-hmm. likes to push the ball and make a defense pay so why i think with the job why i'm bringing that up is the strength of that Bills offense is those Cole Beasley read routes. It's the play, uh, and the, lately in the season they ran play action where they hit overs or Josh Allen would check it down. The strength of this Bengals team is spreading it out, running traditional pass concepts. Actually, has some similarities to what the Rams are doing with Stafford as far as the spreading it out and running these drop back traditional drop back plays. Is Burrow's got to be willing to check it down and make the defense come up and tackle, come up and tackle, and then you can hit the deeper stuff. So really, it's it's up to Burrow's patience. It's up to Burrow going like, okay, well, that's another five-yard gain, man. It's another third and five I have to deal with. Or it's third and seven. I don't want to take an underneath throw. I want to get this first down. I'm tired of punting. So it's really a test of Burrow's patience. I think that's the best way to put it. That's why you run soft coverages. You're testing the quarterback. Years uh, uh, when I was with the Falcons, someone asked Dan Quinn, who was the toughest quarterback to go against, because they those old cover three teams with the Seahawks was kind of the same philosophy. Make the quarterback check it down. Make him work underneath. And he said, he was like, Philip Rivers was a pain in the ass to go against because he was the one guy that was willing to check it down 20 times in a row and just make him work for it. So I think that's really what it it is. Burrow can do it, but can he do it for a whole game and really just be patient and just not look up and go, man, I haven't thrown a deep ball in two quarters. And I think it's it's a who blinks first kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, the Chiefs certainly have had to deal with that this season where Patrick Mahomes has been you know, yes. facing deep coverages and just had to take the easy stuff. And I mean, we've seen like, I think publicly, you know, because they haven't hit so many big plays, we've been not we, but like, you know, people have been down in the chiefs and yet look at the numbers. I mean, they've been one of the most <laughs> it was great. incredible offenses in <laughs> league history. They've been the best offense by far in the NFL on third down in part because they're, they're getting easy conversions. They're in yep. third and short a lot, but also just, teams are so afraid of the deep stuff that they can hit that shorter stuff and during the postseason we've kind of seen a mix like we've seen them hit some big plays certainly he'll had a long touchdown he'll, he'll had two long touchdowns actually one in each game um of course they had a stretch against the Steelers where they were really bad actually kind of the classic 2021 Chiefs where they were you know had an interception on a, on a tip ball a fumble for yeah. turn for a touchdown and then they scored touchdowns in six straight drives and just destroyed the Steelers in a heartbeat like do you think the Chiefs are fine do you think there's things to be concerned about with this offense or is it just they're going to be inconsistent but they're going to get theirs at some point during this game i've i've never felt better about where the chiefs are this year than now (laughs) um Mm -hmm. i think with where mahomes as long as you have mahomes you always have a chance to go nuclear but with kelsey and hill and all that it's this version of working underneath and letting those guys catch and run and Mahomes just being patient with it. Like he's scrambled, he's scrambled, I would say more than ever before, 
but he's mm-hmm. looking to scramble earlier as opposed to doing the scramble around, run parallel with the line of scrimmage, and then throw some trick shot. He's actually just willing to tuck in and run it, which we saw that first first couple drives of the Chiefs was just it was crazy mm-hmm. how much he was scrambling, um, just because he was trying to make him punish with the man stuff. So all those that version is okay. That's the passing game. He they've gone back to some of the more basic stuff that they've done before. Let's not spam RPOs left and right. Let's do it, you know, sprinkle them in, but let's just if we're running the ball, let's run a traditional run play. If we're passing the ball, let's run a traditional pass play and not, you know, really be able to go focus on what they want to accomplish. And I think that's helped them a lot. They found also some more run plays out of spread formations. Um, being able to use other tight ends, the Blake Bell, and Noah Gray have been very mm-hmm. beneficial for them, especially Noah Gray, uh, because Noah Gray coming out of Duke, I was a fan. He he's an undersized short arm tight end, but he can run routes and he also blocks like a fullback. Like he's, even though he's not that big, he's willing to mm-hmm. block. So what the chiefs have done is all these spread formations that can limit which runs you can get to. They're saying, yes, Travis Kelsey, we're treating him truly as a receiver. Okay, well, let's split them out. So we're in 12 personnel with two tight ends. Let's just split them out. Let's have our other tight end that's truly the Y tight end inside the box, mm-hmm. inside the formation. They'll run this Y insert play, which is like a lead play, and they'll use Noah Gray on it. And being able to, when you spread, the limits of a spread formation is the Bills and Chiefs both face this this year. I think they they went, we're going full spread, baby. Let's, let's air raid this. Let's run and shoot, fun and gun. Let's go, baby. But they realized, oh, we only can get to one run play, zone because you have no tight end involved with the blocking. It's just an extra set of hands. And that was the limitation that they face. The Chiefs have now figured out, okay, we can get to this insert run. We can pull some guys. They're getting more creative with the, the plays that they're running with these guys. I don't even say creative, but just getting finding, expanding their menu, I would say is a good way to put it. And now they're getting more in rhythm with these drives where it's not just nickel and diming passes, but able to once in a while, okay, let's hit the run button. Okay, there's five yards. Nice. You're just making the defense honor that. And I think that's really just helped the whole offense evolve. And it just made, let him, let him, you know, breathe a little bit and not force Mahomes to be a hero every single play, even though he kind of goes hero ball <laughs> every single play. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Clyde Edwards Alaire was good running the ball in this game. He had yeah. seven carries for 60 yards. I mean, it felt like every time he touched the ball, there were opportunities there. Whereas, I mean, as someone who invested a lot in Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year in various oh, fantasy football miss, did not always feel that way about that about the running attack for the Chiefs. So absolutely felt like there were opportunities there. I mean, the Bengals, what I find so interesting about this is that last week, playing Tennessee, playing Derrick Henry, we saw, I mean, even the, from the first play of that game on, the Jesse Bates interception on, like they were playing cover three. They were playing a lot of single high looks getting an eighth man in the box and stopping Derrick Henry and committing like, you know, just bodies to stop Derrick Henry. They played cover one or, or cover three, I think 70.6% of the time <laughs> last week for ESPN. Now that's not how you stop the chiefs. You have to play pretty much the opposite. You want to play very little cover one. Ask the Raiders. Ask, you could ask the Raiders, which is honestly the first time the Raiders came out and played a ton of cover three against the chiefs. I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe you were just feeling your oats. You figured, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to do what we want to do. But the second time you played the chiefs, you didn't change anything. (laughs) That was very troubling to me, but the Bengals, when they played the chiefs earlier this year, played single high coverages, just under 38% of the time. So just like you'd figure a lot more cover too. So number one, how hard is it to change your defensive game plan from week to week like that? And number two, do you think the Bengals come out and they do play those two deep coverages and try to force the Chiefs to be the underneath attacking uh, offense that you're expecting the Bengals to have to be in this game? I, th- I think they play too high. They lean into it. What what the Bengals have done this throughout this year is be able to kind of tweak back and forth what they emphasize during the week. It, it's yep. They didn't go into a year ago, hey, we're quarters. I mean, th- these stats that you just listed were, I mean, that's a great example of it. It is hard for some defenses if like, if they say this is our major, like the Raiders and Gus Bradley, we're running cover three, we're running one, and we're running man every single snap, a couple of blitzes on third down. And then midway through the year go, all right, we're running cover two. And the coverages themselves are not too hard to put in, but then there's just little rules, little adjustments that all the coverage players have to make. Okay, if this guy's this leverage, if they're in this formation, if this guy motions out, 
that's where the kind of consternation comes from the defense. So it could be hard if you just plop a whole new defense in there and say, Hey, we're now we're doing this right now in week 12, but the Bengals throughout this year have been able to kind of tweak the knob, tweak the, the knob back and forth about what they want to emphasize. So for them, not too hard because it's just how they are, but other defenses probably is pretty hard to do it. And they have some, uh, it was at first I thought it was really a blemish going in this year. It was they signed more stopgappy veteran players to be their to be on their defense, but it's actually helped because mm-hmm. they're veteran players. So, oh, I remember running this when I was with the Saints. Oh, I remember running this when I was with the Falcons. Like they remember mm-hmm. old rules, so that probably helps them a little bit as well. Um, and they're gonna need to do it <laughs> because yes. I just don't. You just can't do it against Mahomes. We see what happens. It's not just a us as media folk going like, Oh, wait, wait till you see cover three and watch my homes. It. It's like, no, this is, this is actually, we've seen it now like three years of this happening. It's yeah. He's going to shred it. If you try to live in that world, but that's, I think they just, I think the first time they played, they were staying in too high. I, I don't know. If, um, yeah. Would you say it's 37.8. And I think the first snap they went single high was that mm-hmm. double that post to Demarcus Robinson. So yes. that must've been really frustrating to be, all right, we're in a safe coverage, safe coverage. Okay. Let's go single high and load the box. And they just hit you for a post touchdown right behind you. So I'm sure they, they remember that as well. The Bengals coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, who do you think wins this game? I, I think, I think the chiefs win this game. Oh, I, is it, uh, is it, it sounds like you think it's pretty, it's pretty clear. The chiefs win this game. I think the chiefs, there's a, a path to a big chiefs win. If they mm-hmm. just go on one of their runs, if they don't avoid any of the weird mistakes that they like to have, uh, I think the Bengals whole game plan is going to be, well, let's, let's keep, if they can keep the chiefs under 24, maybe they have a chance. Uh, but I think this whole, the whole Bengals having Joe Burrow just be perfect. Every snap is a hard way to live. He can do it. He's done it for weeks and weeks and weeks now. But, you know, some of the competition wasn't the greatest. Um, mm-hmm. We just mentioned the Raiders defense having trouble with the Chiefs. Now they, you know, now they're playing playing the Chiefs. <laughs> so you can see some of that. Uh, I think that week 17 game was a great game where the, both of these teams are throwing haymakers at each other. Also think it was just their teams in two different situations at that time. Now we're in the playoffs. These guys would be willing to tackle as far as the Chiefs mm-hmm. DBs. Um, I think this last week against the Bills, just how – comfortable Patrick Mahomes has become nickel and diming is scary yes. uh, for whoever wants to play it. So I think they're, I think both of these teams are in a nice upswing. I just, we mm-hmm. got to remember that the chiefs, I still think are a full tier above what the Bengals are. And I think we all know that I'm not like too crazy of a statement, but I think the Bengals have had a nice run. They've caught a couple nice breaks. Burrow's playing out of his mind and he needs to play out of his mind for them to have a chance. Um, yeah, I just that happened in week 17, and that's kind of the path the Bengals would have to have to have another victory. It's like basically the week 17. Let's catch all these underneath throughouts and take them to the house. Let's catch every go ball. Go balls are supposed to be 50 50 throws. Really, they're more like 30 70 for the offense. Right. And for the Bengals, it feels like they're 90 10. <laughs> like that's what those old go balls feel like. So maybe the luck runs out on that regard. So I, I think the Chiefs win this, you know, pretty, they cover. I don't know what the spread is off the top of my head, but I think they cover. Oh man. Doesn't even know what the spread is. And yet he thinks they cover. I mean, I agree, but like the Bengals won like a month ago. I know. I know. I know. I know. I wish I was like week three. It'd be so much easier to be like, well, that was so long ago. There's two different teams. Okay. I looked it up. The chiefs are touchdown favorite. Yes. That's, that's about right. Okay. According to Tyus Vegas knows what they're doing, which is fair. Um, once or twice, NFC. once or twice. Yes, the NFC games here. Let's let's do your takeaways first. Let's take away from, uh, let's do Rams Bucks first. The most recent game, okay. the Rams go way ahead. Bucks stunning comeback. What was your big takeaway from Rams Buccaneers? Uh, the Rams just figuring out. A, they're still figuring it out though. Uh, nice balance of what they are. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting the run game evolved, the dropback stuff that Stafford's so good at. And finding a nice blend of it, I, I could really see them trying to find, especially against the Bucks, trying to find that blend of okay, we'll do this on these downs, we'll set up this with this, like a play action here to set up the run, but the play action is different than what they ran maybe a couple of years ago with golf, as far as how vertical everything yes. is. Also, seeing they ran out of steam, but this Rams defense was 
kicking ass. Uh, I mean, you remember, oh yeah, Von Miller's Von Miller and he, he can take over a game. Oh yeah. And then they have Aaron Donald. Um, that front can take over any game just because of those two. And, you know, Leonard Floyd's no slouch himself and Gaines has played well. It's, they are going to probe the weakness. I think they have figured out on de- defensively, at least what the emphasis is for them as far as mm-hmm. moving their guys around. It seemed like for weeks and weeks and weeks, they're throwing. We talk about offenses all the time, throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. I felt like the defense just felt that way. Anecdotally, it was this week. We're going to try this and let's move these guys around up front here. Let's run this coverage. Let's move for Ram- Jalen Ramsey inside, move them outside. Let's try to figure out what they are. And I think now they're more comfortable with what they are, this version, even if they have Eric Weddle at whatever, 37 years old at safety <laughs> right now. Um, I do think that they found a new version, but it's this offense. You just remember the highs that this offense can hit when, when you get the good version of Stafford and he's throwing it on time and not having any of those stupid blemish plays. They're able, what do they have four turnovers and they're, I mean, and they're still able to put a good performance maybe until the end of the game. I just think that the highs of this team are as high as anybody. It's just Mm -hmm. that it's consistency. And that's what this, I mean, when you're stars and scrubs team, that's kind of what you're going to be. Yeah. I mean, what, what did you think of the Eric Weddle play when uh, that uh, personal foul, did you think that was a appropriate call because the football hit the ground? They got very, very lucky that the ball hit the ground that, that helped them because that was like a, Wow, that was a very ticky, I would say ticky tack, but very uh bang bang play. Mm-hmm. I always say round down or round up, I should say, like on those penalties that you're trying to do it for player safety. So why not, you know, yeah. emphasize the penalty? Because now you're saying, Oh, well, no harm, no foul. We we threw the flag, but really doesn't punish anybody. <laughs> it was a good play by Jalen Ramsey, too. I think it's been understated that, that was a that was good coverage. And then well, Mike Evans got him back at the end of the game, but that was good coverage by uh, Ramsey on that play as well. <laughs> Yes, for sure. I feel like Mike Evans is the guy where everyone's always like, oh, he gets shut down by these guys. And like, I don't know. I watch Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore. Mike Evans wins a fair amount of those snaps. Like, it's not just, you know, he's also good, by the way. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's not like Mike Evans getting shut down by, I don't know, Buster Screen. You know, right. And getting shut, <laughs> shut down, like, like even against these guys, like Mike Evans has opportunities. So yeah, I, you know, he's holding up his end as well. Yes. Yes. Yes, he he's what, a good player. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's a newsflash to anybody. He's a very good player. <laughs> yes, that is the official official stance of the Bill Barnwell Show. Mike Evans, good at football. That's why you uh, have me on. That's why you have me on. What about what about the Niners game? Niners Packers. I mean, of course, such a interesting game. The snow comes out in the second <laughs> half. Packers are great on the first drive, look unstoppable, and then nothing pretty much outside of one busted coverage on a wheel route. Uh, what what? What's the takeaway from this game for the Niners? Such a weird game in so many ways. I just finished watching it this morning too. And as far as the that 49ers defense, they they put Aaron Rodgers in the torture chamber. Yeah. They, they had him guessing, which I wow. That's like credit to D'Amico Ryan's and just the 49ers defense. They were on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, just run plays. I, I just tweeted this before it came on. Was they had an adjustment for the run, one of the runs that the Packers really like to do. Is, is duo, which I always talk about, which is a at you run. It's very vertical. Mm-hmm. They'll motion a receiver down to block a safety. So with the 49ers do, yeah, we have a safety down. It was, it was tart uh, number three. And he would just, every time that receiver moved down, he just triggered mm-hmm. as hard as he could and would blow up the play or at least make it muddled for the read. That's just the in the run game. And then the passing game, at least uh, there's at least three clips I can find on third down of, having a great way of doubling Devonte Adams in a not mm-hmm. standard way, how they mm-hmm. would do it. Just having a different guy do it. That that was really what they did every snap. It was coverage wise, nothing crazy, nothing I've never seen, but how they got to it was very interesting. They were really, this is how, if you want to play a top play well against a top tier quarterback, this is what you have to do. You can mm-hmm. run, you don't have to invent a new coverage or anything. That's what everyone thinks you have to do. It's more just the looks it's, Oh, this looks like cover three. Oh my God. It's cover two. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want, want to do. The quarterbacks is, Oh my God. I think this is cover two. It's man. And you're bringing up pressure. Oh my God. Where do I go with the ball? That's what they were doing to him. Every single snap, they were showing blitzes and they showed blitzes the entire game, uh, a double mug with both of the linebackers, Fred Warner 
and uh, Dre Greenlaw would be in mm-hmm. the A-gaps over the center, and they didn't blitz throughout the game. They didn't blitz throughout the game. They didn't blitz throughout the game. They just kept running coverage out of it. So you kind of get – they got lulled to sleep. And at the mm-hmm. end of the game, I would say three straight times, they brought a blitz, a different blitz off of that look. It was just a great – we talk about offensive coaches all the time. Kyle Shanahan, oh, man, he set up this to set up this pass play. This was a great mm-hmm. example of a defensive coach doing that, making an offense be page behind on every single snap. It was a, a Fred Warner played absolutely incredible. Um, his value and coverage is just – and in the run game, but just especially in coverage, mm-hmm. being able if, being able to take away intermediate throws because he's able to run with what the route concepts are. You saw a little mm-hmm. bit of that. It was a really good performance of knowing what the Packers want to do and taking away their fastball. They let him, they got, they sprinkled on some stuff at the beginning of the drive, but then it felt like the Packers, every time they were going for a little shot play or a big play, the mm-hmm. four were on top of it. So you could see that consternation happening with Aaron Rodgers a bit. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I, I thought one of the best defensive performances of the entire year uh, for defense. I mean, and that's, you know, not like they, like they have some dudes up front and they have some dudes mm-hmm. at linebacker. Uh, that, that, in the defense, in the secondary, they're okay. Like it's not like yeah. they had the Legion of Boom to work with back there. Yeah, Richard Sherman is not not lining up on the right side for them. <laughs> not even the no. thirty-one year old version that they had a couple of years ago. <laughs> right, and that's incredible. I, I thought just an incredible job from that defense. And I mean, they are playing a Rams team who they have now beaten six times in a row. They have beaten it's... they have beaten the Rams with Nick Mullins. As their quarterback, they beat in the Rams when Brandon Staley was their defensive coordinator. They won by throwing for 314 yards. They won by holding the Rams below 200 passing yards on offense. And yet, as Benjamin Selleck wrote in his great piece for the ringer today, like these teams are not so foreign and so different from one another that it's like there should be some schematic issue that Sean McVay doesn't understand when it comes to stopping this offense or moving the ball on this Niners defense. So is it just randomness? Like, well, what do you attribute this six-game winning streak to for the San Francisco 49ers? I don't have a, a big brother. I have an older sister. But mm-hmm. I feel like this is what having a big brother must feel like. You just always, <laughs> you know, for Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, it's, I'm going to beat him. I'm finally going to beat him. And then the big brother just always pulls out the win at the end. Uh, just a lot of stop hitting yourself. Because that first, or week 18, when that, Rams looked like they they were ripping them, ripping them, ripping the 49ers to shreds, offense mm-hmm. and defense, just boom, 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 up and down the field. And you could see how excited Sean McVay was. He's always a very excitable guy, but he was yes. what chest bumping Higby. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I couldn't believe it. I think he gave the discount double check at some point. Like, he was just, <laughs> he was doing it all. But I think they kind of lose their steam. They're, they're so excited about this opening script, and then they kind of lose the adjustments throughout the game. I think having Shanahan, I, I've compared it to the floor and McVeigh have translated that Shanahan offense to their own versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Packers are kind of a greatest hits offense. It's really fun to watch. Rams are this 11 personnel version of what the 49ers like to do. Now they do more dr- straight drop back pass stuff because they have Stafford, but mm-hmm. Shanahan always has the Rosetta Stone. So he knows exactly how the, how everything translates. So I think there's just a little bit of human element with that. But also mm-hmm. a little bit of randomness, and I also just think I don't know. Shanahan just has their number. It's in soccer mm-hmm. where they call it a bogey team. Like yep. that's what it feels like for them. It just feels like they have to bring their A game every time, and then the 49ers can kind of, you know, trip their way through things. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that's tied up, and Jimmy G's driving to kick a game-winning <laughs> field goal. Like, what the hell just happened? Um, I think the the first game that they played against each other this year was when the Rams were in transition on defense with all their new pieces and figuring out mm-hmm. what they are. And that's when Jimmy G just went off, just all the inbreakers, everything over the field. Like that that spray chart of that game is absolutely hilarious. The middle of the field was like the Bermuda Triangle for the Rams defense. <laughs> it was just, they just shredded them over the middle of the field. I think that's just a little bit what it is. I think there's some human element, that tightness is, we can't beat this yep. team, we can't beat this team. And then, mm-hmm. oh my God, well, uh, it's happening again. That inevitable <laughs> inevitable feeling again uh, that, the, that they get. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you remember, um, I think it was WCW NW Revenge. It was one of those games where if you hit the right button, you could do the other, like your opponent's taunt. I'm yeah. Just, I'm just picturing like Sean McVay having that button and suddenly he has like a hoodie on like Kyle Shanahan on the sidelines. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you know. Or Kyle Shanahan Shanahan suddenly... Shanahan's spinning the Z stick to get a special yep. off. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's what football is. It's just a 1990s wrestling video game. Just yeah, uh, cast into, yeah, cast into uh, a $3 billion football stadium. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it feels that way, right? Like, it, I think if you're the Rams, you just have to feel super frustrated, you know, at yeah. the very least, because... This is a team that could have won that game in week 18. They were minutes away, one one first down away, really. I think there might have been maybe a little bit of time left, but it might have just been one first down and we're kneeling to not only beating the Niners, but knocking them out of the postseason. We would see Taysom. Mm-hmm. We would have seen not even Taysom Hill, because Taysom Hill had a list frank injury. It would have been, I guess, Trevor Simeon, maybe <laughs> Philip Rivers, maybe Drew Brees. Like some totally different playoff picture with a different Saints team. Than what we saw from the Niners, who I think have played extremely well here in the playoffs, deserve to be here by all means. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what I find weird about that, Nate, is that in that on that drive, it was three plays, one first down to win the game. Sean McVay hands the ball three times to Sonny Michelle, and that's fine. Yep. You know what? One run clock, I can deal with that. Fourth quarter of the Buccaneers game, you are playing the best run defense in the National Football League by many accounts. They ran the ball so much in that yeah. fourth quarter. And by the end, it felt like they were holding on for dear life until, hey, they need the tight games tied. And suddenly they need Matthew Stafford. He hits two big throws to Cooper Cup to get them in field goal range. I, I guess I wonder, like, yes, I understand wanting to run clock. I understand, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to do the stupid, not stupid thing, but wanting, not wanting to go against tendency and throw the ball in those situations. But like at the same time, didn't you trade for Matthew Stafford because you trusted him? Like, isn't this right. a situation where you want Matthew Stafford to be that dude and hit that first down? Like, like, do you think there is still something about how Matthew Stafford has played, not really in the postseason, but more during the end of the regular season, that gives Sean McVay some pause when he's trying to close out games? I think there's some of that. And I. it's so funny because that was one of the reasons I really, I mean, everyone hopped on the bandwagon a little bit in 2018 with that Rams mm-hmm. offense. Would be when the, when the Rams were in those aggressive situations. I can remember. I want to say it was at Seattle that the game was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when when Goff they sne- sneaked it with Goff on like a fourth and one or something like that. Was how yeah. aggressive he would be in the situations where teams aren't really aggressive, and he would run bootlegs like nakeds on the first snap or the second down in those mm-hmm. kind of four four minute modes. You know, four minutes is two minutes going as fast as possible, four minutes as we're milking clock and we're trying to run out yep. the clock. And it's with McVeigh, it really seems like it's not a four minute mode. It's like a fourth quarter mode. He's mm-hmm. as soon as the fourth quarter starts, say, oh, I, I, we're trying to burn six minutes here as opposed <laughs> to just keeping his you know, foot on the pedal. Um, but I just, I, it's weird that with Goff, he'd be so aggressive. Okay. We're going to run a boot. And then the next play we'll run that boot screen. That's safe mm-hmm. to Gurley. And then we'll run the ball. Uh, once we got that first down, then we'll run the ball and then it's the defense has to play the rules and they can't be super aggressive and tee off on us. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that in a way that with a lesser quarterback, he would be more aggressive in these situations. Yeah. And I think like you said that it's also it's against type. Well, oh yeah, we're going to pass the ball. No, no. Ah, we're, we're going to outsmart you. We're going to run the ball here. Like that's <laughs> what it really does feel like. I think some of it too is the Rams don't run a ton of pass concepts. They, Really, it's like six plays. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny. It's it shows that offense doesn't have to be that hard. It's what, well, mm-hmm. especially when you have good players, that helps as well. But is you get diminishing returns if you only run five or six plays. It's it, that's just how it is. You can't spam the A button twenty times. It's just like yeah, mm-hmm. just like an RPG game, play Pokemon. You know, sometimes it's sometimes it's you know significant you know significant damage, and it's sometimes oh, it's low damage. It, it, it had no effect. Like that's kind of what the pass plays can become. 
again, it's the human element of it. And I think that's maybe some of it too. It's, he's like, well, the last time we ran that, that safe pass play, we ran stick. Uh, mm-hmm. They were squeezing on it and they knew what we we're doing. Okay. And he starts kind of overthinking themselves a little bit, but yeah, I, it, you can feel it. Like you can feel the confidence kind of sap from the team when they get in those situations. Cause they have to revert to a different version of their offense. And this, mm-hmm. this 2021 version of the Rams offense is running a little bit of everything, running a little bit of, of the drop back, running a little bit of our run game, doing the boot stuff, but it's, they've gotten away from some of maybe those safety nets that they've had mm-hmm. before. They were getting back to it, but really you can see it. I think that's a great example is that you could see it happen in those four minute situations that they kind of lost, you know, uh, you got Stella has to find her groove. You know, <laughs> that's that's kind of what happened. It's kind of they lost their groove a little bit in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly they have. You know, we know they have the ability to pull stuff off, but it almost feels like they have to prove it to themselves sometimes. Like it almost feels yeah. like they will, they'll lose confidence from stretches to stretch. Um, last game, Cam Akers. I mean, was the primary back, a guy who had Taurus Achilles before the season, which is crazy <laughs> enough in itself, and not just like. You know, it wasn't like he was just playing uh, a rotation role, which he had played earlier in the year or earlier in his return where he was splitting time with Sony Michelle. I'm getting the, the snap data now, but it was pretty much Cam Akers, 80% of the snaps to 20% for Sony Michelle. Cam Akers not have a great game and he fumbled twice, two huge fumbles, one at the end of the first half on the one yard line where he was dropped pretty much on his head. I, I can't fault him for fumbling in that situation, given that he was basically uh, pile-driven into the one-yard line, and then fumbles late in the game, trying to run clock. And Dominic Kinsu, I believe, forces a fumble, Bucks recover, score the game-tying touchdown. So how do you think Sean McVay will handle Cam Akers uh, in this situation, and what do you think the Rams should do if it was your decision when it came to their running game and their running back usage here in the NFC Championship game? Is that so funny? It's it's like, oh, you had an Achilles surgery and you're just coming back. All right, strap them up. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're running 40 snaps, baby. Get it. Hopefully your conditioning's okay. Yeah. Uh, he does, Akers does bring more juice to the run game. Uh, For sure. I, I've become a bigger fan of Sonny Michelle. I don't think he's a star or anything, but you, he's more useful than I realized because he's very good in pass protection, which mm-hmm. is, I actually didn't, no, until he really got to the Rams, just kind of how what the Patriots do. And also it's just more like he's like uh he, he's a guy that's like his stats are like a, a six across the board. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he has no seven, eights, and nines, but it's sixes and sevens. It's a bunch of B's and B minuses yep. across the board. Um, I think with Akers, even coming off the Achilles, you can just see that juice that he brings in the run game. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they were becoming not a three yards in a cloud of dust kind of team, but a, like a four or five yards in a cloud of dust team when they, they run the ball with Michelle because he's mm-hmm. more just a steady Eddie type running back. And with no explosives gained in the run game, that was really the big limitation that the 2020 Rams were facing was, okay, Goff's not pushing the ball and our run game's only getting four yards a pop. We're not creating any of those 15, 20 yarders that, healthy Todd Gurley was creating, which are the best Mm -hmm. types of explosive. A run game explosive is just like a, a, for whatever reason, I'm going to figure it out one day why it is with the run game, but it's, but it's like a double whammy if you get it through the run for whatever reason. But I think it's just acres gives them that juice. And I think the the first play that comes to mind against the bucks, especially was Mm -hmm. they had a, uh, they ran a play in the red zone. I think they had Kelly, the center pulling on it. And Akers ran up the sideline. He kind of like dove for the end zone, even though he stepped out of bounds. And that Michelle can't get to the edge like that. He mm-hmm. he doesn't have that speed to push it horizontally and then get north. Michelle is just a steady eddy in between the tackles runner. And getting that just mm-hmm. speed and juice in the game, even though he's coming off an Achilles, he doesn't look that much slower than when he was healthy, which is insane. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's why he leans into it more, even with the fumbles and even working back from the Achilles. I just think adding that extra 10 to 15% on these runs is what it's for and, and making it okay. We blocked up four, but he ran and got us eight. Okay, cool. Those hidden yards that he creates is just so useful for him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And I mean, I think, you know, that's what they want to be. I don't know if they actually play that way. Yeah. Every time you hear Sean McVay talk about what they want to be on offense, they have this idea that that's what they are. This, this physical running. They think they're the Niners, even though they're (laughs) 
they're not like they're just, yeah. just a different team but they wanted like again like the big brother thing right like they they're like the the little brother posing as the big brother yeah. in the mirror but they're good at what they are if they would just accept that's what they are just embrace your embrace your ad- identity it's yeah. okay it's okay. You don't have to emulate your, your older brother. Yeah, that's hilarious, actually. Like, it is. Right. It's like, they, they copied the outfit, but they got the knockoff leather jacket. And yes. the, the older brother has Ray-Bans, and they they got the the ones at the grocery store with the, <laughs> the sunglasses. <laughs> it's like, you still look good, but, you know, it's not the same version. <laughs> no, right. but that's, exactly. that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, um, on the flip side of this, of course, when you talk about the San Francisco 49ers, you usually talk about Debo Samuel. And we talk about the Rams defense. You talk about Aaron Donald and you talk about Jalen Ramsey. We mentioned Jalen Ramsey a little bit earlier on talking about Mike Evans and like in the Bucks game, Mike Evans made sense. You would stick Jalen Ramsey and Mike Evans, you know, yep. maybe you stick him on Rob Gronkowski, but like there's a logical place to put Jalen Ramsey on a guy who moves around a little bit. Basically Mike Evans is going to be, you know, an, an extra receiver um, with Debo Samuel. That's not, really the case. Debo Samuel has 20 carries and six receptions so far this offseason. He's going to move around the formation. He's going to be everything from an I formation back to a split out wide receiver. That's different. Jalen Ramsey is maybe <laughs> the most, like probably the most versatile, great cornerback in the game, but like, what do you do? Like, If, if you're going to take Jalen Ramsey and put him on something who do you put them on? How do you approach this game defensively if you're the Rams? And oh, man, isn't it tough? Because they were they were really trying to have Ramsey shadow Debo Samuel as much as they could in their week mm-hmm. uh, 18 game. And it was funny when I think the 49ers realized that was happening, I would say in the second quarter, then mm-hmm. they would split out Debo and then motion him back into the backfield. And you could see the Rams going like, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those little chess. He's a, he's an awesome chess piece. He's a, he's a queen on the chessboard. He really is. Mm-hmm. And so is Ramsey. And that's, what's really fun about it. Um, I think they keep Ramsey in the slot and don't shadow Debo at all mm-hmm. and keep him at, everyone wants to use the term, the star position, but keep him in, that means keeping him in the slot, but, uh, it's always the new terms. Everyone just loves It's just, yeah. yeah wait till. Yeah. It's like Leo. Seahawks used one <laughs> position as a Leo. Everyone was talking about Leos for five years, but, uh, yes. but be able to get them involved and that gets them involved in the run game more Ramsey for all the stuff that he does in coverage. He's an incredible tackler. He, especially mm-hmm. for a corner position, he he's big. He's a willing tackler, which matters because of how the four ers especially like to get after the Rams. Mm-hmm. And sure. so get him involved in the run game. Also, Jimmy G likes to attack over the middle of the field. I would say in that last Rams game in the week 18, that's why Jennings had such a big game was he was running all these out routes from the slot. And really mm-hmm. it was, I think it was Jimmy G going, I'm just going to work away from the side that Ramsey's on. And I'll just work this one-on-one with insert corner name number here. <laughs> um, I'm blanking on his name, but insert player X here. But right. I think just keeping him static in the slot just gets him involved with more plays, gets him around the ball, especially how the 49ers like to play. Kittle, Debo, Brandon Ayuk running slants. This gets them all near those types of plays where he can affect the play like he did mm-hmm. on that brilliant interception that he had near the end of the game against the 49ers where he tipped it to himself. Yep. Just getting them near, getting your stars near the ball. I think that's what they do. I think they try to shadow him when Debo would be on the outside or in the slot and have him towards that area. I think it's more you just keep it static based on the strength of the formation. And, and I think that's really how they should go about it. We'll see if they do, but I think they learned their lesson about having them truly shadow because <laughs> Shanahan being like, okay, we'll just motion them back in and, and <laughs> have, them, have them run a run play against a look that you don't want to be in against the run. Right. For sure. I mean, certainly there's going to be solutions there um, to, to, you know, put Jalen Ramsey in situations where even if he's good, like he's still not going to be at his best. Like they're, they're, they're so talented and so versatile, but they're not necessarily versatile in exactly the same ways. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it, it, it's fun. I mean, it's two awesome players. That's what's so fun about it. Right. Right. And like, they're two players who don't have a lot of comps for like, like there's not yeah. eight Jalen Ramsey in the NFL. There's not eight. There might not even be one other Debo Samuel in the NFL. Teams are going to try though. Everybody in this draft is going to go. Who's our Debo Samuel. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh boy. Cord- Cordell Patterson's going to get the franchise tag. Oh my God. Right. 
oh man, what if we got a bigger Debo Samuel? That's exactly what's <laughs> going on. And and he could return kicks. And he could return kicks, even though all of them go outside the end zone. It's yes. Uh, imagine being that, being one of the best ever at what you do, and then they change the rules to, to make it to go. Oh, it's like Kareem uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar when they took away dunking. It's like, oh yeah, the NCAA took away dunking right as he got in there. It's like that's what they did to Cordell Patterson on his kick returns. Damn it, cost him a Hall of Fame spot, but now he's doing it a different way. He's going to get to the Hall of Fame as the uh, as the big feature back who scores. Edgar Martinez trajectory. Yes, doesn't become exactly. a star until he's thirty, and then yeah, he's going to retire at thirty-eight. We're like, man, his stats were pretty good. <laughs> perfect, perfect comp. Edgar Martinez, Cordero Patterson, identical, simpatico. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, last game did not do much. 11 of 19 for 131, threw an interception, had some okay throws, had some throws where it was, uh, we're a little scared. He's three weeks removed, though, from that Rams game where he did have an interception, uh, two interceptions actually, but was 23 of 32 for 316 in the touchdown. Like, and, and I think if that Rams game hadn't happened, I'd be sitting here asking you, hey, if, can they win? if Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw the ball 30 times. And thankfully we saw a game where Jimmy Garoppolo had to throw the ball 30 times and they did win. So we know it's possible, but like if, if this becomes a high scoring game, do you think it's likely or even a significant possibility that the Niners can keep up? Oh, no, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> I, I always say that. And then like I said, then it's tied up and there's Jimmy G just nickel and diming down at the field and hitting the one big, <laughs> shot play and there it is um when everything's plays out talking about coverages and i was saying how the 49ers defense did such a great job against but rogers uh with how mm-hmm. rogers reading the field jimmy if everything plays out how he thinks it's going to play out he's he's great like he can operate really well he can i mean he actually made a nice couple of nice throws in that game in week 18 against the rams on in breakers it's always in breakers and he can do that if it ex- plays out how he th- expects it going to play out he doesn't have to progress from one to two to three and he could just keep it one or even maybe two hey mm-hmm. he can throw the shit out of that ball but that's the thing is if you vary <laughs> if you vary up the looks on him doesn't expect how he thinks it's going to go he becomes like a worse version of kirk cousins where it's oh my god hold on to your hat like this guy does not like he it's he like freezes up in the pocket. It's kind mm-hmm. of it's bizarre, uh, but I'm sure he's glad that he's playing in a dome. Uh, I'm sure that he's very happy after the that freezing cold weather he just had to play in in Green Bay. Um, but I really just think that it, it's things have to play out perfectly for him, and he's lucky that he has a lot of guys that can create yards after the catch. That's the thing mm-hmm. with Jimmy. It's just he has to get the ball in their hands. He doesn't have to push the ball. You want him to. And defenses can play tight on the on their passing game, but when you have Ayuk and Debo and George Kittle, who can create so many yards after the catch, it's not really what he has to do. I'm not saying anything new, but it's just that's what this mm-hmm. offense is built around. Um, I think, yeah, any drive Jimmy can get hot because it's just what they have with with these positions. It's just, can I do I think he can make a hero throw after hero throw for an entire half? Say if they're down 17 going into the fourth. Probably not. That's not really the guy that you want to rely on. But if it's a tight game, he can make enough throws to keep you in it. It's just that he's not going to move that needle if everybody else is, you know, not doing too hot. If the defense is letting up a lot of points, the run game's not really getting going. The play action stuff—they're not biting on stuff. If he has to drop back, it's not his game. It's just not how they're going to—they're built to win. So I think this is a long way of saying probably not. <laughs> I think that's what—that's what it is. It's—it's it's a long way of saying probably not that. Uh, if he can, he can be able to sustain if it's a sh- true, true shootout. Mm-hmm. So uh, given how you see this game going, given what we've seen from the Niners winning six in a row, given the Rams maybe having a higher ceiling, like there's part of me that like, like usually like when I ask people questions like this, I kind of know what the answer is going to be. I actually don't know what your answer is. Who do you think is going to win this game, Nate? Every, everything. It's what it's like a heart or brain kind yes. of thing. Uh, yes, it's you know. It, so I would say my heart is really telling me that the 49ers might win this just because of the run game and seeing mm-hmm. what they did to Troy Reader last time, the number fifty-one, the linebacker for the Rams, mm-hmm. uh, and seeing how their run game is really able to control this game. 
but then my head is saying the Rams <laughs> when and yeah. their star power and everything. I think uh, the spread, I made sure to look up as you were talking, the spread's minus three and a half right now. Mm-hmm. I could see a close Rams win, but they don't cover it. I think this game's going to be really close. I don't think that's shocking to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I think it's it's hard for me to see. I, the, the adjustments are going to be so huge off their week 18 game that it, that's really, it's just what's so hard for me to like make a definitive statement, but I think mm-hmm. final answer gone to head. I'm going to say the Rams and, and, but I think this game is going to be fantastic with the adjustments that these teams are going to make. So you think Rams win, but don't cover. It sounds like I, I think so. I could see like a, like a 24, 23 type game, you know, a lot of field goals. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of get a little tight in the red zone a little bit. Maybe one of those types of games. I have no yes. idea, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. I wanted to see how know. long you would stretch it out before you say, I don't know. I don't know. Which is, I don't know. Which is this the correct awesome. answer, but it's going to yeah. be fun. I'm absolutely yeah. excited to see both these games. I, I think Chiefs Bengals is going to be fun. Even if we do I get do like a Chiefs blowout, like, you know, it's not crazy to see another Bengals victory. We just saw it happen. And that was a fun game. In week yep. 17. So I think we're going to get some cool rematches here for sure. I do too. I think it's going to be a great weekend. I, my prediction was the chiefs are going to cover, but honestly, I could, there's a, what's fun is you could see the paths to all the different, I guess, yes. narratives. You can see them happening and it's not just pie in the sky. Like, oh, I hope this happens. It's like, I can see that happening. I can see Jimmy G doing this. I could see Joe Burrow getting the ball out quick and the chiefs have no answer for Jamar chase and T Higgins throughout an entire game. I could see those paths. That's what makes it fun though. It's not like you go into that game and it's bucks versus Eagles a couple of weeks ago. And you're like, ah, I, I'm sorry. I just don't see Jalen hurts doing this for yeah. 60 minutes. You know, you don't see those paths, but I can see it with these games. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm excited. And we will have, We'll have another guest on next week. But if you want to hear Nate talk about these games after they happen, Nate, where can people do that? You can hear me talk about these games Sunday nights on YouTube or on wherever you get your podcasts on Monday morning, the athletic football show uh, with Robert Rouge, uh, <laughs> uh, a friend of both of ours, but with Robert Mays, you'll hear us. Yeah, we're our, we'll do a live show Sunday night uh, via YouTube uh, and yep, uh, wherever you find your podcast. And then also, um, right now I'm doing college football reports uh, for Bleacher Report for the upcoming NFL draft, which is it's fun to do during the playoffs as your brain breaks and try to, <laughs> try to keep track of basically two seasons happening at once. Um, and also my sub stack, the silent count. I'll be writing something about the Bengals uh, pass protection stuff, which is actually kind of funny about when you brought up the sack stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll be writing about that. And then you can hear me talk some more words on Twitch, uh, twitch.com slash Nate underscore Tice. And then on Twitter. I'll probably just have random clips of football and some wrestling, maybe some soccer, Mm -hmm. maybe some Seattle Mariners or Anthony Edwards tweets for the Timberwolves. So (laughs) that's what you get to look forward to there. Last question for you, Nate Tice. How how many points will the U.S. get from these three matches? Seven. Use use your head, not your heart. Seven, I think, is also where I'm going to go. I I think they draw with Canada and win both the home matches. I draw with Canada. That's exactly where I think the seven. I... I think they're going to blow one these couple. I think these two games are going to be good games for them. God. The roster is so weird, man. I, I mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through it and everything, but but I think seven. I think and of course that can the game against Canada is Sunday right during the conference championship. That's yeah, that's that's brilliant. I love infuriating. That. Infuriating is the exact word. I like both of my footballs. I, I want to watch both of my footballs, but at different times. That's what's great about the Premier League. I get to watch that mm-hmm. at like seven a.m. on West Coast time on a Sunday, and it just leads right into Sunday night or Sunday morning football. It's great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The West coast, the West coast is the best sports, uh, the best sports <laughs> really time. Is. So realistically one day I'll make it back, but until then I'll be up till five in the morning, writing about football on the East coast. But Nate, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me on bill. This was awesome. All right. Thanks so much to my friend, the excellent, excellent football analyst and soccer analyst as well nate tice hope you guys enjoy the show we have more audio coming next week we'll be talking probably recapping these two games and and the following week getting ready for the super bowl so hope you guys enjoyed it and more audio on the way